Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. Joining us is Kevin Ferguson from New Orleans and Company. He's the VP of External Affairs and Membership at New Orleans and Company. And... We're going to talk about a number of uh, things that they do, but more importantly, we're going to talk about an initiative, the Home for Good initiative that was um, kind of, um, it was developed in um, by uh, Council Member Harris uh, of the New Orleans City Council. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Newell, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here today. Uh, it's certainly a pleasure, my friend. Uh, tell us about the Home for Good New Orleans Homeless Initiative. Yeah, happy to. This has been a, a really incredible, I and mean, what we see is city-altering project. Um, you know, I, I first came to New Orleans and Company in January of 2022, and by March, we had really identified that, you know, the, the growing challenges with homelessness were a real problem for our city. You know, everything we approach is from the the belief that the things that impact our residents, our businesses, our workforce also have an impact on visitors. And so we, we really kind of see um, a mandate for us to engage on these issues, be it homelessness, public safety, public transportation, and try to have the impact we can. Um, it became clear pretty early on that Councilmember Harris was really one of the individual, individuals leading the charge to address this in the city, um, along with partners like Unity of Greater New Orleans, Travelers Aid Society, and then the health department um, under Dr. Vagno's leadership, we're all actively engaged in how do we address this homeless problem. Um, through that, you know, there was a, a, an approach and a partnership and a lot of collaboration on really developing a strategy for the city. And I, I think a couple of things to highlight on that timeline, um, in January, or actually February 2023, uh, the mayor's office in the city committed to establishing an office of homeless service and strategy and brought in a great leader, Nate Fields, which helped accelerate this. And then later that year, Unity was actually awarded a $15 million grant from HUD. That was really the, the effort of a lot of folks in the community. There was a task force to reduce street homelessness that was chaired by Bill Hines and retired Judge Calvin Johnson that did incredible work, really galvanizing the community to support that grant, which was a competitive grant that we were awarded over other cities. Um, and then on top of that, Councilmember Harris really had the, the foresight to, to bring in outside experts. And so the city contracted with Clutch Consulting, uh, which is a group that actually successfully reduced homelessness in Houston by 50%. So they went from a population of 60,000 to 30,000 homeless. And so all of those things kind of happening in conjunction at the same time led us to really work together to develop a, a solid strategy and a plan um, that we now call Home for Good New Orleans. And um, folks may know that that Chapatulis encampment, um, that decommissioned in November of last year, that was kind of the first big step in this process. And so 
to keep going, there's basically three major components to it. It's the targeted encampment decommissioning. So like what you see at Choctaw's um, right there off the exit off of the interstate. And then also um, along the Calliope or along the Claiborne corridor in the Treme, that encampment was decommissioned in February of this year. And so it's going to be a continued process of decommissioning those large encampments and then also more coordinated housing navigations to everybody. So not just the folks living in encampments, but also the people on the street. And then really accelerating and clearing the shelters. Um, and then a focus on working with landlords to get affordable housing units for this effort. That's Those are kind of the four major components. And it's been exciting to see um, the impact it's had in those communities. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges that come with homelessness, both for the people experiencing it, but obviously also for the residents and the businesses that are located around that are, are, are witnessing it and driving through it. Um, it's a deep kind of crisis that we've seen in this city and many other cities. You know, this is not a, a local challenge. This is a national challenge. But I, I do think what's unique for us is we have a real opportunity to address it in a way that other communities don't. It was interesting to me, and I think probably others as well, that New Orleans and company, um, you know, as kind of the the face of the hospitality and tourism industry here in the city of New Orleans, through their through your external affairs um, initiatives, uh, would involve yourself in this homeless uh, issue that we have. You talked a little bit about it in in your intro uh, comments. What are you hearing from your member agencies? Um, you know, that really kind of convinced y'all that this is where you need to be? Well, I think it goes back to that that first point, Newell, that, you know, the things that impact our residents impact our industry and our and our visitors. You know, I think sometimes it gets lost and we kind of debate, you know, tourism versus locals. But the reality is the people that work in our workforce are locals. The people that own these businesses are locals. And when the city has any challenges, be it public safety or homelessness, it impacts their ability to provide for their businesses, provide for their workforce. And so what we've seen both with the encampments as well as street homelessness, it does have a dramatic impact on the way people perceive their businesses. It has an impact on the way they can recruit workforce. You know, so we've talked to a number of members um, in certain parts of the city, downtown in the French Quarter, that are having a harder time convincing people to come work for them. And that's a lot of issues that's parking, but also public safety and the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, you know, I was talking to a member the other day that said they had folks coming inside their, their business and also panhandling outside. Um, and that's a real challenge, right? And so for us, we kind of look at where can we be impactful? What are the things that are, that are preventing tourism and hospitality in the city itself as being as successful as it can be? And it was pretty clear that homelessness, you know, while, you know, we were facing some, some broad public safety challenges in 2022, and it's been great to see that improvement. Homelessness was one that was very visible um, and that it was something that when you looked at the numbers and, you know, the, there's an annual point in time count that's conducted in January of every year where they actually, the, the service providers are on the street uh, physically counting and, and taking note of all the people that are both sheltered and unsheltered. And so that number is around 1,500 for New Orleans, which is a large number, but when you compare to 60,000 that Houston had or, you know, roughly 100,000 that Los Angeles has, it's a more manageable number. And, you know, what I was really happy to see with this is that it wasn't just New Orleans and company. It wasn't just the city, 
um, the amount of organizations, businesses that have stepped up to engage in this from downtown development district, the port, the convention center, um, DOTD at the state level, and many, many others has really kind of shown that the community is focused on this and that this is something that's solvable. Um, and again, you know, the folks living on the street are suffering too. I, I go to St. Joseph's Catholic Church and every year they do a service where they read off the names of the folks who, who died on the street. And that list was 84 names this year. And so this is a, a, a real crisis that we're living with that impacts the community and the folks that are experiencing it too. Kevin, what is your confidence, um, you know, relative to be able to sustain this? They have a pretty aggressive goal, right? Um, in the release, uh, it says to aid, uh, excuse me, Home for Good New Orleans mission will focus on achieving low to no unsheltered homelessness in New Orleans by the end of 2025. That's pretty aggressive. It's very aggressive, but I think that's what's needed. You know, I think we've got great partners here. Unity has done incredible work over the years. Travelers Aid has. I think what's different about this approach is that for the first time, there's really been an effort to combine all the resources. So the federal resources like that HUD grant, the local funding from the city of New Orleans, state funding from the state, and pulling that all together to really support this strategy. Um, The citywide effort to not do this kind of piecemeal, but to look at it holistically and really attack in an aggressive way. from Clutch Consulting, their leader really talked about this as rapid rehousing on steroids, right? So let's take all the resources we have and let's focus them in a real effort to get a massive amount of people rehoused. And it's important, the, the, this pace of it is incredibly important because the reality is people are falling into homelessness as you're getting people off the street. So the quicker that you can really get this population, this 1,500 we identified, housed and sheltered, it allows a lot more flow within the system, right? And then you're not dealing with right. these massive numbers at one time. So the idea is if you get to that low to no homelessness, there are some structural changes you can make to prevent people from getting homeless, to get them rehoused quicker once they are homeless. Because I, I think one of the things that stuck with me, um, Richard Martinez, who's with Ganoff, really made a point that you know people come to homelessness from a lot of different places. But the longer you are homeless, the more likely you are going to have some of those challenges that we see be it substance abuse, be it mental health issues. And so the pace at which you get people rehoused greatly makes it easier because people have less of those um, issues to deal with along with the housing of it. But uh, to answer your first question, I'm, I'm extremely confident. I'm, I'm really all in on this. And part of that is because of the groups that are focused on it and the work they're doing. Part of that is because of the resources we have. And then the last part is that New Orleans is a city that cares about people. And that's a big part of this Home for Good effort is there are additional funds that are needed beyond what's provided by the state and local agencies. Those funds have some restrictions. They're limited in what they can go towards. So they can cover rent, but they may not cover security deposit, furniture, moving kits. And that's what this fund is really designed for. This is the gap between what we've been able to pull together from all these different resources that will kind of get this across the finish line. And we know we have a community that cares. I see it every day when I drive around between what people do for each other. And when you see folks on the street, people are giving money, people are buying food, people are bringing water and blankets. And what we see home for good as is a a fund and the way that people can really make a difference um, in getting people off the street. This isn't to provide water or blankets. This is really to provide that gap funding for the things that are needed to get people housed. 
I, I'm really encouraged by this, and really in the aftermath of your comments even more so because it has to be a sustained effort. And that population, and, and obviously you all have talked about this, is very d dynamic as, as you move people through the process. You have more that are coming. Uh, but if you can get that throughput um, flow going and, and healthy, it, you don't have um, these issues rise to the level where it takes a kind of shock and awe response uh, to, lack of a better term, I guess, beat it back or, or diminish it, right? Exactly. And I, you know, one of the things that Martha Cagle points to, who's the executive director for Unity, which is the continuum of care provider, kind of the, the umbrella organization that receives a lot of those federal funds. She talks a lot about COVID. And during COVID, there were incredible resources that came into the community uh, to get people housed. So they were able to convert some hotels and house people there. Um, and what they found was that during that time, they were able to reduce the on-street homeless population to 35 individuals, um, which is an incredible number to think about. Now, there were certainly some challenges within that, and I'm, I'm not saying that Everything about that is the approach that we need to take, and that's not what we're doing this time. It's not about putting people in hotels um, temporarily. This is more of a long-term fix with permanent housing for people. But it shows that with the right amount of resources, the right plan, um, you're able to get people into housing. And, and I think that's the what keeps me optimistic about this is we've seen an incredible movement in a very short time. I mean, that, that time frame I talked through, it's really been two years. You know, two years ago, there was no federal grant. Um, there was no Department of Homeless Service and Strategy. Um, there was no clutch consulting contract. So we've moved really quickly to create the conditions to be impactful in this. And once we get that number down to lower no, the, the idea is to really change the system in some ways to where you can maintain that in a way that we've never been able to do before as a community. And, again, when you don't have that kind of massive backlog it's easier to get quicker response to people when it comes to things like rapid rehousing funds, um, rental assistance, homeless prevention. All those things can really work in the way they were intended when you don't have 1,500 people that are experiencing homelessness at the same time. Kevin, in the course of the conversations with these experts in this field, has, has ever, anyone been able to articulate why our homeless population uh, is not larger um, because you know more often than not it, it's really not it, it's almost really not a function of your population number of citizens in a particular you know uh, geographic area uh, any conversation along those I, I was always kind of curious I mean because 1500 sounds like a huge number um, but it's a manageable number but in, in other similarly sized cities they have numbers of homeless far greater than ours. Well, I think we're fortunate in a lot of ways that we're not experiencing those numbers. I do think there's a lot of work that's been done in the community already with these agencies to support people. Um, Grace at the Green Lights, another incredible uh, service provider. One of the programs they have is actually family reunification, where they work with folks that are on the street. And if they have a family member somewhere locally or somewhere else that they can connect with that is willing to take them in, um, they'll do the work to get them a bus ticket, to get them what they need, to get there and get service. And I also think the community in general, you know, even in my neighborhood, there's a few different homes where it's multi-generational, right? People are living with grandma, grandpa, 
um, mom, dad, and their kids all in one house. So I, I think it says a lot about our community that people step up and take care of their family. Um, but everybody has, you know, a, a limit on that, and everybody has limited capacity. And so when people fall through the cracks or they don't have that support, I think how we respond as a community is really important. And that's, again, what's exciting about this effort. So I got a text here. It's from a naysayer saying that we need to address the root causes, which are drugs and underemployment. Uh, what say you as it relates to that? I, I think those are important things to address. And, and I think that's one of the things I, I probably need to clarify. This isn't just housing people, right? Right. Anyone that has a challenge with drug addiction or mental health with that housing, there is case management that goes with that. So these are wraparound services, and the goal is to make them as robust as possible. You know, I don't think what anybody wants is somebody gets placed into an apartment that they can afford with this permanent supporting voucher, and then they're just left to their own devices. So a lot of the work that those outreach workers do is identifying what are the needs for these individuals. And then it's about getting the right case managers assigned that can coordinate that care. A big part of that $15 million HUD grant we got was the matching funds that the community committed to it. So part of that application was for the funding you're seeking, you need to match that with local contribution. So some of that was donations from businesses. I know um, New Orleans and Company, we made a contribution. I made a personal contribution. Gino Inc., Ganoff, a number of others. Um, Dickie Brennan and Company made a contribution to that fund. It was also about getting in-kind support from service providers. So the medical community, some of our hospital organizations pledged support for that. Um, mental health providers pledge support for that. So the idea is that that $15 million grant was amplified by those matching funds that provided support, um, insurance, mental health services, so that that grant was really targeted to about 400 individuals and ending homelessness for them and providing all the additional support they needed as well. Um, you know, I can tell you one of the things that Unity really talks about is that you can trace a rise in homelessness to the number of affordable housing units within a community. Um, and so to me, housing is, is kind of the first thing. You know, one thing I always say, Noel, is, you know, there, there are people living in mansions on St. Charles Avenue that have substance abuse issues and mental health issues, but they have resources and they have housing as a place of stability to, to deal with those other things. And so it's not saying that some of the folks on the street don't have those challenges, but I think the, the belief is that housing overall provides stability to address those other things as opposed to doing it backwards or in the opposite order and trying to address all those issues and get it perfect before you get them into housing. You know, I, I talk about this a lot and uh, people don't, sometimes we don't embrace the obvious. There are over 40 million people in this country that live below the federally identified poverty level. It, it's real, right? And it's up yep. front and, and, and center and when you think about affordable housing and the need for same, um, it, it, it is, again, it's real. Um, and uh, I know that uh, the industry, both uh, tourism and hospitality, has, has worked hard to, to try and increase uh, wages. Uh, but you have that diverse uh, wage scale in almost every industry, right, from from the bottom wage earner to the top wage earner? Oh, certainly. And I, I think, you know, there's there's other forces that are impacting that affordability, right? I, I think everybody, regardless of how much money you make or, or where you work, is dealing with rising insurance costs right now in our community. 
And that is a, a big challenge. And so if you are a landlord and you're renting property, you're going to pass that on to the people that are living in your property. And so right. the reality is, regardless of, of where you work, um, it's just becoming more challenging in our community. And so we need more affordable housing units. Office of Community Development is doing an incredible job putting some of the funding that they got from ARPA to use, developing new projects and bringing those online um, with affordable units in them. Um, I continue to think one of the greatest opportunities we have as a community is we have so many properties that are distressed and not in commerce right now. I mean, you know, I've got a short commute to work, probably two miles total, and I probably pass a dozen or more properties in that, that span that are unoccupied, vacant, perhaps since Katrina or Ida. And if we could turn some of that back into housing stock, that provides a lot more lift. And it also, you know, look, uh, rental, rental market is like any other market. Um, you know, it's, it's a market-based economy. So the more units you have out there, the lower the pricing can be. Um, right now, we have a lack of units, and so that pricing is driven up a little bit. All right, we've got to get to a break. We're visiting with Kevin Ferguson, uh, VP of External Affairs and Membership at New Orleans & Company. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Kevin Ferguson, VP of External Affairs and Membership at New Orleans and Company. Kevin, I, I wanted to uh, talk uh, about your external affairs initiative at New Orleans and Company and start out by asking, what do you hear from your members that is their top of mind issues? I, I think, again, our members are like our residents. You know, the things that are that are impacting them are the same things that folks are concerned about within our community. You know, so public safety is always paramount, making sure that they can operate their business safely, that their employees and workforce can be safe coming to work every day. Um, but they're also intimately familiar with some of the challenges we have because their workforce comes from our community. Uh, so early childhood, educa- early childhood education, child care, um, transportation, just the ability to people get to and from work, parking. Um, all those things are the challenges they face every day in operating, um, cleanliness, public infrastructure. These are all areas that are challenging for them. And, and I can tell you, you know, we. Yeah, okay. It seems as though we lost, uh, we disconnected or something on, on the phone line. We'll try to get um, Kevin back. Um, 
And we've been talking to Kevin Ferguson, VP of External Affairs and Membership at New Orleans and Company. First, we were talking about the Home for Good initiative. I've got a number of uh, texts that have come in uh, about some of the challenges there. And I don't think that, that there was anything that he said that uh, was saying that they aren't there, that they are not challenges. Uh, they're very working very hard in a collaborative effort to overcome those challenges um, as they move through uh, this process. And, and as he pointed out, there's been a lot of accomplishments there. And it's something that's actually needed. I mean, the way that we present ourselves is really important. And, you know, the first human nature is the first impression is a lasting impression. You've heard me say that a number of times. And when you take that Chapatulis exit, you know, off the interstate as you come from Louis Armstrong International Airport to the to downtown New Orleans, and the first thing you see when you come off the interstate is a, a homeless camp. It's a problem. It, it, it's a problem from a perception standpoint, and it's really hard uh, to overcome uh, that first impression. You got to work a lot harder to beat back that first impression, and cleanliness of the city is. Uh, is another challenge uh, that you know we spent a lot of time talking with uh, with Walt Leger as well as with Kevin Ferguson. We got him back, Kevin. Sorry for the disruption there, uh, but you, we were talking about top of mind issues for your membership. Yeah, I think everybody. Again, it's a, a clean, safe working city is the focus for everybody. You know, we've got incredible businesses in this community. We've got incredible people working in these businesses. I talk about it all the time from a membership perspective. I'm so lucky that I get to hear about all the amazing things that are happening throughout the community from riverfront development to the new Caesars uh, Hotel, the Four Seasons coming online. We've got World War II Museum, Audubon Nature Institute, incredible partners in this community. And there's also space for new entrepreneurship related to tourism and other things. And all that happens because New Orleans is this incredible place to live and work and then by extension to visit. Um, and we just got to support that. You know, I think we, we talk all the time about, you know, we just had Mardi Gras. It's this massive, incredible event that we're able to execute in, in this way that no other community could. We've got the Super Bowl coming up next year, which will be our 11th. You know, so we're able to execute these large events, Jazz Fest, um, Essence Fest, Bayou Classic, anything else you can think of. And what we've got to really focus on is how do we get better in the day-to-day? When it's not those massive events, how do we make sure that the city's functional operating and really working for all of our residents and businesses? Yeah, it's a, you know, sometimes when we think about the success of World War II Museum, obviously the Audubon Zoo, Audubon Nature Institute, everything that, they, that they're operating, and, and so many other uh, things, the Convention Center and, and Superdome, the arena, you know, there's there's so many things to point to. Um, when you realize so many other similarly situated cities have, they don't have half of that, or similar sized cities don't have half of that, you begin to, to uh, wonder, and sometimes I say, you know, on may, in many respects, we're kind of the little engine that could, and, and, and we keep doing it. And sometimes I wonder if we do it in spite of ourselves sometimes, if we're honest, you know, and we look at ourselves in the mirror critically, that we achieve this in spite of some of the most egregious failures that we have sometimes. And it's just, it boggles my mind. Your thoughts? 
Oh, I, you know, I, I think we talk about all the time that we as a city and as a community, we really punch above our weight. Um, and, you know, it's again, it's a testament to the people. I think one of the things we focus on as an organization is that the people and the culture here is what makes New Orleans unique and it makes it a place that people want to visit. And, you know, that's a goal of the work we do is, you know, how do we work with elected officials, with city government, with other nonprofits, with other groups and stakeholders to make sure that the city is doing all it can um, and is operating the way it needs to be for our community. You know, when in, again, when you look at the, the things we're engaged in, um, none of these were without partnership. You know, so when I think about our uh, hospitality health fair, we executed last November. You know, that was Auctioner, LCMC coming together, 504 HealthNet, uh, a tremendous amount of support from our community, Verite News, all these partners coming together to provide that. Um, typically, when we're looking to engage in something, you know, the first thing I try to identify is who else is working on this? Who do I need to talk to? Who do we need to get in the room together so we can determine how we can be impactful and move the ball forward? Um, you know, everything from even infrastructure, we're having conversations now. Um, about streets and sidewalks and doing a sustainability or excuse me, an accessibility assessment in the French Quarter. And we've got partners from FQMD, um, Department of Public Works, Sewage and Water Board that are committed to being a part of that. And so to me, that's, that's how we are able to consistently punch above our weight and execute and really succeed is that at the heart, there, there's people that are willing to collaborate in this community to make sure that we do overcome some of those challenges we have. I'm all over the sidewalk thing in the French Quarter and in the warehouse district. I'm like, you know, I'll volunteer on the weekends, whatever free time I have to help facilitate that. It is dangerous. I mean, I walked uh, all through the quarter and the warehouse district over the Mardi Gras um, uh, season and and paid particular attention to uh, where we were on, as it relates to sidewalks. And I was like, oh, my God, this is da- this is craziness. This is dangerous. we got to get this done before Super Bowl. Uh, you know, we we need to present ourselves in, in the best light when we have, what, 6,000 members of the media uh, that will be, you know, converging on, on the city of New Orleans. And, and we got to make sure that we at least got sidewalks right. Streets is a whole different issue, but sidewalks we can achieve. Well, and I think that's what's exciting, you know, that I see as we've engaged in these things, that there's there's a lot of collaboration and everybody – look, I, I think we want this stuff fixed for everybody every day um, that lives here. But the Super Bowl is an, an opportunity to rally some folks together for some of these bigger picture things. And we've got tremendous support and commitment from FQMD, DDD, folks at the city, the mayor, the governor has been um, incredibly vocal about his desire to support our city for the Super Bowl and make sure that we really put our best foot forward. Um, and the reality is the time is now. You know, the, the clock is, is ticking. And so we're, yeah. we're excited to continue those partnerships. And, um, you know, I, I know that DOTD is working with DPW on enhanced lighting on the interstate. You know, we, we had some conversations with DPW last week about street lighting. Um, you know, so we are engaged in this. There's a number of partners that are engaged in this as well. Um, and we want this for the entire city. You know, there, there is some specific realities with the French Quarter downtown. You know, we at, at our peak, we are welcoming 20 million visitors a year. And so that is a tremendous amount of people that are moving through some parts of our city. And so certainly we need to make sure that we do focus in making sure that the entire city is operating the way it should be. Um, but we also do need to put some special attention on those areas that are really hosting and seeing the majority of that foot traffic and people coming through both from a public safety standpoint, but 
infrastructure and accessibility for them as well. Yeah, I had Ke- uh, Scott Boyle, uh, the DOTD district engineer, on on about the you know the uh, exciting project with lighting up the bridge, and we talked about uh, the interstate and stuff, and and it, it's top of mind for them, and they, they they're on the one yard line of that, and he he explained why certain things are the way they are right now because of some work that they're doing, but he said that he said trust me, those lights will be back on and in full force uh, for sure, uh, probably over the summer. Uh, which is exciting news as well. Kevin Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate the update on all these uh, really exciting initiatives. Have a great week. Thank you so much, Nolan. We're excited to engage in all this stuff again. The things that make the city an incredible place to live and work also make it great for visitors. And so that's why we're committed to doing our part to this. But thank you for having me. And thank you for what y'all do. Kevin Ferguson, VP of External Affairs and Membership at New Orleans and Company. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. On a text line, a friend just texted me that encampments are cropping up along Esplanade Avenue with heavy open IV injected drug abuse. I was told it seems to be some of the cleared encampment people resettling in other nearby areas. I haven't verified firsthand, but friend is right there seeing this daily for a few days. That is a challenge, and that happens. Uh, Folks that fall out, um, that decide to go to a different location because there's a lot of focus on the previous location where they decided to camp out. And that's just part of the deal. And uh, they, I'm sure, uh, as I read about what Clutch Consulting was doing in Houston, they will be back and they will be on on top of uh, those individuals but um, there's not a silver bullet here it's not like you know you engage once and you achieve success that first time out let's go to the talk lines maurice uh welcome to the show what say you hey mr newell been listening to you for a while uh thanks for everything you did share and what you're doing now if you're driving canal street from carrollton to the cemeteries, to live at Orleans. 
that roadway is so bad, and I'm a street contractor, and I don't want to give the name of my company because if they are going to put it out for a bid or whatever, I'd like to be, be a part of that. But from if, when you leave the station today, just drive from Carrollton on Canal Street, from Carrollton to the cemetery, and see how mm-hmm. messed up or how bumpy that is. And you're going to say, wow, we're going to be inviting a million people to come to the city, and we're going to have that as a representative of our city? Yeah, look, I uh, I was driving uptown just uh, last evening, um, uh, going to um, a, a great restaurant or magazine uh, last evening called Lillette, and um, had a great meal there, by the way. But it was a it was a damn bumpy road on on the way there. On the way back, uh, we got diverted because of construction and ended up on Louisiana Avenue Parkway, which they had just completed in in um, cement, concrete, uh, not blacktop, concrete. It was it felt like you were on a racetrack. It was so smooth. I mean, it was it was it was beautiful. Um, there's a lot going on in the city, and, and we've had our challenges, and you know, with the aged infrastructure, but. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. There are there are a number of areas that are heavily trafficked that that need some attention uh, for sure, and hopefully we'll be able to identify some of those uh, major thoroughfares that we know that the visiting uh, public will be traveling on and otherwise, and 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 get it remedied. Um, and this is just part of leveraging this big event, right? Um, at this point in time and resetting the priorities in, uh, and it's all about the leverage of this big event you you have moments that you're able to leverage and uh this is a moment for us quite frankly and i asked the question of michael heck earlier and he said you know the last time the super bowl was here felt like that there was a lot more advanced work done way in advance here we are within a year now and every day is another missed uh, day of opportunity and because um, I, I got that same sense uh, I was down there serving on a lot of committees in advance of, of the last Super Bowl um, I, I'm not this time but I look around I observe and I and I, I just I don't get that same feel that of what the momentum that we had uh, for the last one and to me, it's it's a little concerning, but we'll see. We've been able to rally before. We've been able to pull it off each and every time, and hopefully it, it, it'll work this time uh, as well. Thank you so much for the call, uh, Maurice. Uh, we will be right back. Uh, Ian Hoke is in for Scoot. We'll check in with Ian to see what he has coming your way. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. Ian Hoke joins us. He's yeah, in uh, for Scoop, Scoot, and I think he's actually right. with us today. Yesterday yeah. he was on the fly. That was incredible, <laughs> man. I can't even believe I managed to get out the five words that I did. I'm sorry, I wasn't more elegant about that. Uh, yeah, listen, today it's going to be, uh, you know, I got a whole 50 seconds to tell you about the show today. At 120, <laughs> we're going to talk to Aaron Dugan from the LSU Health Science Center Child and Family Counseling Clinic. There's some new numbers in about youth bullying and it's an effect on uh, our mental health issues as adults not great numbers newell we'll talk a little bit about that and figure out how to keep your kids safe the magnificent seven the top tech companies in america are creating so much wealth more than any other major country in the world 
Is there any danger that that much wealth is being concentrated and held by big tech? At 220, we'll talk to Jose Bautista about that. We're going to check in with the captain of the crew of Ferret about their decision to go green. No more plastic beads there. And then in the last hour, we're going to talk to Tyler Bridges from the Times-Picayune about the breaking news from the uh, uh, legislative special session, the constitutional carry, juvenile reforms, all the rest. All righty. Ian Hook is headed your way. Hope you enjoyed today's show. See you again in the morning. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.